Well, we know what it's like to feel worried and helpless about the state of our world. But we're finding comfort and inspiration from people tackling winner-take-all economics and other root causes of climate change, inequity, and global unrest. Join us on the road from wasteland to wonderland. This is part of gold. Creighton District Schools will be closed tomorrow and remain closed until the conclusion of the statewide walkout. Thank you for your continued support, patience, and flexibility. Today we're speaking with Leslie Owen and her daughter Kelsey Owen. Both are preschool teachers working in the Phoenix Central School District in Arizona. We sat down with Leslie and Kelsey to discuss Arizona education policy and the Rep for Ed labor strike they participated in over the dreadful wages that teachers earn in public education. Let's welcome Leslie and Kelsey. All right, so why don't you give us, each of you, a quick overview of what's going on here in Arizona and what your role has been. Um, well, for the last, at least decade um, since the recession in 2008, our government has slashed funding to public education. Um, and I, I mean, I'm new to the field, I'm new to the workforce, um, but collectively we've decided that enough is enough and here we are. So give us a little timeline about the movement. So this today would mark the sixth day of the walkout. We started on last um, Thursday. Last Thursday with this 75,000 people march and then Friday was a little calm. Excuse me, Friday was a little fewer people, but the legislation, partly because on Thursday afternoon, our legislators decided they would be funny. Actually, they were quoted laughing and decided to take a recess until Monday. At 1 p.m. on Thursday. At 1 p.m. on Thursday, yeah. So then they said, yeah. So they were like, ha, 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 see what we can do. And so Friday, it's kind of, we lost the wind in our sails a little bit. Monday, we knew they were coming back in session and it was just like ramp it up again, people. So we again had uh, over 50,000 people on Monday. I've never, you know, I've been in education for 30 years in Arizona. So um, I have never seen people come together. And we were just so ready because we have been so suppressed with, again, like Kelsey said, this decrease in funding uh, repeatedly. They'll give us a, throw us some uh, crumbs and then they take away a few of those crumbs that they give us and then they do it again. And, and that's what we've experienced for the last 10 to 12 years here. And so currently, even today, our budget is, is um, about $900 million short of what it should be. So just under a billion dollars short of where we should be. What's the total budget? The total education budget should be as, uh, it's just about uh, one, I would say about $1.75 billion would be our uh, to fully fund, not even well funded, because that still puts us at like, 47th compared to 50th in, in student per student funding. But that's where our schools had the resources for kids to be successful. And that's what we want. So this movement isn't just in Arizona, right? It was actually started by someone in West Virginia. So why do you think 
it got so much national traction. Well, my understanding is, or the story I heard is that he, um, this Noah young kid in, in I can't, you know, I, I could stand corrected. This is not, um, the story I heard was that he had, was evicted from his apartment and he, he was, couldn't pay rent. He couldn't pay rent. He was, uh, couch surfing with some friends and somehow a friend of a friend picked up his story on Vox news. And so it was, he was interviewed on Vox. And so then this kind of got just kind of part of the growth and this like, well, you know, here I am a teacher. I went to college. I was student loans and I can't even afford a one a studio apartment, you know? And so, you know, after the strike in um, West Virginia and seeing that success, I think it just made people unafraid. And I think once real people sort of, sort of started joining the Facebook page and reaching out to each other, it was like, Oh, well, if you're going to do it, I'll do it too. Because I remember talking about um, walking out with, with some of my coworkers very early on. And they were like, ooh, like, ooh, I'm a brand new teacher. That would be, it's like, right. no. So there was this outcry of frustration. Yeah, right, a lot. Basically like, wow, it's actually in me too. Right, yeah. So it's just, so once once we got over the hurdle of the fear, it's like, okay, Arizona is, in, is truly a teacher crisis. So for one, we're over two, we have 2, 000, over 2,000 unfilled teacher positions in the state. And then state. on top of that, there are still 8,000 more teaching positions filled with long-term subs. Really? So unqualified, uncertified teachers. Right. So teaching. we are truly a state in crisis. So as the community is obviously in crisis, and we know there's this huge movement going on and you're all very involved, but how do you actually get by the day, day to day without going to work? You know, who's taking care of your kids and who's you know, ma managing the store, so to speak. When this movement kind of came about, there was a lot of um, ideas about kind of bartering like hey I'll, I'll watch your kids so you can go to the capital I'll put up some people from out of town in my home in exchange for you cleaning my house or so there was a lot of uh, barter systems ideas going around we all know there's plenty of money in the world right it's not that there's not enough money as there is what do you think are the causes of so little money going into education you want me to answer that? Well, I know that there are a group of Americans that their mission is to dismantle public education as we know it, uh, that the right for everybody to receive a quality education is not their vision and mission in, for America, the United States of America. There are They are dismantling and creating a two-tiered system of basically the haves and the have-nots. So that's basic, like the voucher system. And, and um, Arizona is ground zero for this methodology. It's, they even are saying that themselves, like because we, charter schools started in Arizona, this voucher system has taken off like wildfire in Arizona, and they just visualize this as this whole dismantling of public education happening in Arizona. Where in the haves who can afford quality education get it in private schools and in charter schools and the have-nots are left with 
a shell of a, a public education system. Yeah. yeah. A neighborhood school that they can walk to because they don't have, their family doesn't have the resources to get them across town to the public-private consortium school. And that's actually already happening here in Arizona. So um, I mentioned this voucher vote is is really critical in Arizona. And because what they've just done over the course of our movement on these last days and now, so they um, promised to give an additional $400 million to public education. Well, the next day they turned around and they're now voting to increase the dollars that go to vouchers in Arizona, which to the cost of 160 million dollars so they from gave us our 400 for our, from dollars. our 400 so they gave us 400 they took away 160 and then we're left with 260 million dollars 240 million dollars sorry and um so that's the kind of things that are happening here and it's very intentional again to highly educate the haves so anybody any family that can get their child to a quality school gets to have that privilege and any family that can't will will continue to have large class sizes and um you know uh out-of-date textbooks and shells of schools and no air conditionings and desks that are falling apart and so it's just really the divide is just and even like the huge they they proved to us that they really don't care about public education because there were quite a few amendments to the bill that supported our demands like a cap on class sizes at 25 kids and a cap on the ratio to for students and counselors one to 250 um, and they were all vetoed. They, they voted no on them. Like, they don't even want us to have reasonable class sizes. No, it's, pretty in- it's pretty outwardly intentional at this point. I mean, it's been kind of, kind of under subtle. the subtle and flying, you know, moving along kind of without people uh, seeing that, that it's happening unless you're kind of aware and now they're just like we don't care this is what we're doing to public educate it's a movement across the country well and then also the big ticker is that they've allowed these charter schools which are publicly funded through public fund tax dollars to pick and choose the students in which they want that to stay at their program so if you don't make the grade or if you're a special needs child they can say, oh, sorry, we don't have the resources to fulfill the needs of your child. Or if your child isn't smart enough, quote unquote, then they can say, I'm sorry, this isn't a good fit. So charter schools have, where public educate, ed, public schools cannot do that. Public schools have been told you cannot turn any child away from being attending your school. Your, your job is to figure out how to best meet the needs of that child. And then there is originally the voucher system started to allow kids with high needs. So a wheelchair-bound child or even a, a child that can only be in a bed or something can go to a public education school, but maybe not the one in their neighborhood so that they would. So the vouchers was set up originally so that those kids could get um, 
be in the least restrictive environment, receive some sort of education, but not but at a school that had the resources to best serve them. So they just took this little idea, a little, and then they just- Which is actually a good idea. It is a good idea. And it, and it was meant for these kids with these needs, but now they've expanded this program to be this huge thing that really targets the wealthy and it's and for the people that have the facilities and resources to and in that the only way to receive the voucher i think you were saying this morning is that you have to first have a computer and have internet access and then have the resources to find the application for this voucher which they have hidden under piles of links and then Clicks. apply mm-hmm and then, you already so have it, to have a certain level of education and, and resources mm-hmm. in order to just get just that subsidy. Exactly, yeah. Yep. For me, it is so weird, you know, not, well, I was not born in the United States. I come from Europe. I see, um, I think in, in my childhood when I grew up, the United States, or it still is, this is a superpower. Every, there was prosperity there. And here we come to Arizona, <laughs> teachers on the street. Yeah, you tell me about um, that this has been going on, not the demonstration, but like the budget cuts going on for about 10 years. Yeah. Um, the brain is in the classroom. Yeah. The future is in the classroom. Um, it's weird. It's, it's a weird situation. Yeah. It's as though a government is not investing into the future of a country. And they're I've, not. Yeah, they, really they well, and intentionally, it's not like they're naive. And actually, in a lot of cases, it's very self-serving. Many of our legislators have a conflict of interest because they either own privately owned charter schools, they own the voucher they company, own the company that processes the vouchers, or they're being, uh, you know, some way benefiting themselves from these bills and these amendments that they continue to pass and through our legislation without anybody really understanding so i think the biggest takeaway of this whole movement is people are awake and now they understand a little bit about the process and really about how evil these people are and how their conflict of interests are are just uh, unbelievable, I guess. I can't think of another word, but just like you own the charter, privately owned charter school. And so now you're passing all these bills that are self serving. So there's basically no incentive to change that system. Not by our, not by our government currently. So, an attempt to try to help the public understand what happens to funding in Arizona. I created this little trifold display board because like an old science fair sign uh, in an attempt to help do that because um, I kind of woke up early in the morning and thought, oh, I need to do a graphic that explains what this, what how f- the funding in Arizona is allocated. So you can see we have the pie chart that shows that $952 million are still missing from our budget since our budget in 08. This is, you know, with inflation, but so it really should be more. Anyway, and then you can see there's another picture of how much money you would make if you lived in Colorado, how much your pay raise would be. And then I have a um, 
a watering can with some numbers on it. So if we were fully funded, we we should have $1.5 billion in our only to public education. But if you look at the graphic, it's got holes in the bottom of the watering can. And, and those holes are watering vouchers in private schools and charter schools. So really only a trickle of funding goes to um, public schools. So why are private schools getting getting those water so what they've decided our legislatures have decided is that through this voucher program which a voucher for each child is eight thousand dollars so through this voucher program these children can choose to go to private school several of our charter schools in arizona are uh privately owned. They're not a, a nonprofit base. They're a privately owned corporate, they're a corporation. Um, so that immediately is going to the private sector. So not only is it uh, vouchers and private schools, or the charter schools are these conglomerate public funding, private funding, but a lot of the private funding are the vouchers, which are also really public funding funded. So it's all basically it's a bait and switch basically yeah so yes so they're pulling they're you know in this kind of osmosis of all oh, these vouchers are help kids have go to have choice in school it's really about again the people that have the resources to drive their child to this better school or to um, fill in the gap because sometimes the $8,000 isn't enough to go to a quality private school. So the parents have to supplement that. Again, you know, the families I service can, don't, can't afford to do that. What I noticed with both of you is that this has been a, such a moving experience. Really kind of a life-changing experience almost. Why is that? And what do you, what do you get out of that? Well, I would say... Teachers are kind of a special breed in that we are arguably some of the most kind-hearted, compassionate, giving people that you'll find. Um, and I think we're really tired of being taken advantage of in that regard. And we've been saying it for days. I want to be back in my classroom. I miss my kids, but this is more important. It is really important work, and I, you know, for a community without education is basically not a community. And I'm sh actually think a lot of politicians are not aware of what that means. Uh, so, can you tell me more about what it means for you, or how do you see that? What What is the wealth of education for a community? I mean, I, I just want to give my kids the best chance I can to make them successful. And um, if they don't know how to communicate and go out into the world and fight for themselves and problem solve and think critically, they're already at a disadvantage. Um, I think being <clears throat> in a Title I district, they're inherently disadvantaged. So I feel like I have to work harder to make sure that they have an equal shot. And there's some quote somewhere, like, education is the foundation of democracy. And I just, 
like I said before, I'm excited to see where we're going and I want to make sure that that trend continues for generations to come. As a result of the Red for Ed movement, the state of Arizona approved a $644 million package for a 20% increase in teacher pay in 2020, as well as a $371 million restoration of the recession-era cuts. Well, this is a good start, but we know that teachers in Arizona continue to be grossly underpaid amid an ongoing shortage where school districts are still 20% understaffed. I think the, the, one of the biggest points that, that I'd like to make about this is how, if you remember the Polly episode, she included uh, education as part of the poverty as an industry conversation. And this is highlighted also here in this episode where you have teachers who are underpaid, you have an education system that is underfunded. And it perpetuates this cycle of poverty because we're not educating kids enough to get out of the poverty cycle. And we're not paying teachers enough to stay in to educate those kids. And so it's fascinating to me that this story keeps cropping up for us, this cycle of poverty and how it's perpetuated. So another point I would like to bring up here where I, what comes to my mind is the link to democracy. When we as a society have once decided to get rid of monarchy was a reason that we basically bring the best brains to the best positions um, to make our society work. And other than that, if people are getting to those positions because they were not getting the same education, then this cannot be or cannot work in favor of democracy. We should call it a moneyocracy, where money decides whether you get ahead and when you get a better education in that case than others. So that's not equal. Right, yeah. It's also interesting in that case where, um, when you talk about money going into education or um, the corporate influence on education, that's also part of this budget cutting of education because in Arizona, corporations actually contribute to charter schools and therefore have a strong say in what the curriculum does. And so the curriculum shifts from training kids to be good citizens, good participants in democracy, to training kids to hold jobs in these corporate settings. And so an, another cycle begins where the education itself, as poorly funded as it is, is only funded for a particular purpose, which is, you know, a corporate purpose. So, um, so these, these teachers are really fighting hard, and, uh, and it's really fantastic what they're fighting for. Why don't you agree? <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Please keep in mind that these recordings may not be as high quality as they usually are because we're doing them in a time of social distancing. But thank you to Zoom for allowing us to continue making this podcast. We're an independent, listener-supported podcast. Thanks to our producer, Riley Paul. Support us by rating this episode and sharing with all your friends. And to learn more, join us at podofgold.world. I'm Stephanie Overbach. And I'm Mel Wymore. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.